Good morning, it's September 28th. Yes, we're back. We're back with the common sense. This is Dwayne Utley. Uh, this is a common sense party podcast trying to bring common sense to this nation. And yes, we're back with a sponsor. Yes, we do have a sponsor. So let's get it started. Right, that's our oath. Our oath is to bring common sense back to the nation. This is a common sense party podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Otley. Today, we are trying to understand why the Democrats are bringing a knife to a gunfight and they're still doing it. I do not understand why. Uh, please check us out at Google Podcast, Spotify, where we get your podcast give us five stars give it four stars give us three stars we are greatly appreciate it trying to make us the best podcast in america and we are we do have a sponsors ladies and gentlemen yes we are sponsored today by intricate moments llc sponsored our podcast go to www.intricatemomentsllc.com for your event planning such as sweet 16s graduations uh, party planning needs. Yes, we can go ahead and do that. Thank you for joining us. I am your host. Today we will start out with that idiot named Ted Cruz. I will just say he tries to get you a gotcha moment, but I'll let the clip play, uh, stand for itself. I want to start with a question for each of the five witnesses. Uh, in your judgment, are voter ID laws racist? Professor Tolson. Thank you for that question. Um, so it depends. One thing we have to stop doing is treating all voter ID laws as the same. Okay, so your answer, I, I, I want to move quickly, so it depends is your answer? Yes, it does. that's my answer. Okay, so what voter ID laws are racist? Apologies, Mr. Cruz, your state of Texas, perhaps? Okay, you, so you think the entire state of Texas is racist. What about requiring an ID to vote is racist? Um, so I think, sir, that's a pretty reductive. I'm not saying the entire state of Texas is racist. You just but said my state of Texas, so you tell me your voter what about I- the Texas oh, voter absolutely. ID laws is racist. So the fact that the voter ID law was put into place to diminish the political power of Latinos uh, with racist intent and it had been found to have You're asserting that. Intent, What's your evidence for that? Uh, the, dist- the federal district court that first resolved the constitutionality of Texas's voter ID law. Okay, so your view is voter ID laws are racist. How about you, Mr. Yang? I agree with Professor Tulsa, voter ID laws can be racist. Okay, that's two. Mr. Sides? There are some voter ID laws that are racially discriminatory in intent. But how about in, in practice? In intent, I find you, you say there's some racist with, with a malevolent okay. intent lurking in the back of their mind. But let's just talk about it as a practical matter. When I go to vote, they ask me for my ID. I pull out my ID, I show it to them, I vote. Is that racist? If the law that requires you to do that was motivated by racially discriminatory intent under our constitution. Set aside intent. I'm asking about the effect. Yes, in effect, I think that there are discriminatory effects from a number of voter ID laws. Okay, thank you. I'm going to give the witness a chance to answer the question. Go ahead, Mr. Simon. Yes, in effect, I think many voter ID laws are discriminatory and in design. They are designed to have that effect. Okay, Ms. Reardon. No, sir. 
Mr. Van uh, Spakovsky? Uh, no, particularly because every single state that has passed an ID law has put in a provision to provide a free ID to anyone who doesn't have one. The turnout numbers show it has no effect, and I would remind everyone that the current version of the Texas voter ID law for in-person voting, the Obama administration agreed in court, in a court filing, that they were satisfied with it and that it was not discriminatory. You know, I have to say this range of question actually shows the wildly partisan nature of the Democrats' proposal. The record should reflect all three of the Democratic witnesses invited by the chairman maintained to this committee that voter ID laws can be, in many instances, in most instances, I think of the various ways they formulated, are racist. So let me tell you who disagrees with that. 35 states across the country disagree with that because 35 states have voter ID laws in effect. But not just 35 states. 81% of voters in America disagree with the radical views proposed by the Democrats and the Democratic witnesses. Not just 81% of Americans. 77% of black voters in America support voter ID laws. 78% of Hispanic voters in America support voter ID laws. Maldives should think about that. 81% of low-income Americans support voter ID laws. And yet... What this bill is about is putting radicals in charge of saying, if you require an ID to vote, that is racist and must be struck down. This is all about partisan power. Now, DOJ has also said, under the Biden administration, that it is not going to presume that, state acts that, uh, that a state acts lawfully if it simply returns to pre-COVID voting laws. Ms. Reardon, Mr. Van, Van Spakovsky, what does that tell you if they say after a pandemic, if you go back to the laws that existed before, DOJ is not going to assume that that's okay? Well, what does that tell you about the partisan nature of DOJ? By, um, by, the, by issuing the guidance that they did, it says to me that what they would like to do is make permanent the um, emergency procedures that were um, instituted by uh, many states through litigation by the DNC throughout the, throughout the country prior to the 2020 election. And they would like those to be permanent. And so rather than understand that they are temporary, they are going to go after states that designed to go back to their original election procedures. Well, and I think they also think Democrats did well under those emergency procedures, and so putting the, keeping those emergency procedures in place will predictably benefit Democrats. You know, I would note, in addition to disagreeing with the vast majority of the American people, the Democratic witnesses and the Democrats here also agree with, disagree with the United States Supreme Court. When I was the Solicitor General of Texas, I represented a coalition of states defending Indiana's voter ID law uh, before the U.S. Supreme Court, a group of plaintiffs challenged that. It went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court, by a vote of six to three, upheld Indiana's voter ID law. Not only did they dis do so, Justice John Paul Stevens, one of the lions of the left, wrote the majority opinion where he said voter ID laws protect the integrity of elections. And yet, sadly, too many Democrats today don't want to protect the integrity of elections. And I've got to say there is a view, particularly from Northeastern Democrats, that they look down on the rest of the country as a bunch of bigots and overalls, their southern cousins who are too oafish to be as enlightened as they are. 
And I have to say there's an incredible hypocrisy in that. In that states like Georgia and Mississippi have a higher black voter registration rate than states like Connecticut, the chairman's home state. They have higher black voter turnout rates than states like Connecticut. They have a lower gap between black and white turnout than in states like Senator Blumenthal's Connecticut. And in fact, states like Georgia and Mississippi, African Americans voted a higher rate than white voters, and in Texas they're basically equal. One of the sad realities of today's Democratic Party is they define race as follows. If you're a Democrat, you qualify. So under the Democratic view, I'm not Hispanic. Senator Padilla is. If you're a Democrat, you're an Hispanic. My, my abuelo and abuela would be very surprised to discover I wasn't Hispanic. But that's how Democrat views it. That's how the radicals in the civil rights division view it. And I will point out as an example, this committee, one federal district judge in the state of Texas, Jason Pulliam, is an African-American judge nominated by President Trump, sat at this table, presented superbly. The Democrats had no criticism, and every single Democrat on this committee voted against him. Why? Because they perceived him as a black Republican. He didn't qualify as a black man. And I actually asked, as the Democrats were voting against Judge Pulliam, do you have one basis to vote against him? Anything you disagree with, none of them had any single answer at all. This hearing's about one thing, it's about power, and it's about ensuring Democrats stay in power. That's cynical, and it's at the expense of democracy and the right of voters to express their will through free and fair elections. Uh, I'm going to ask my questions now and just begin by saying this hearing has nothing to do with any geographic discrimination, any idea that one state or another is oafish in terms of the ranking member. All right, ladies and gentlemen, again, as I state in previous podcasts, people in power will do everything to stay in power. Again, Ted Cruz is a jackass because the Texas law is not a voter ID problem. It's an access problem. They're removing just because, yes, just because they're moving, removing access to the minorities who came out in record numbers because most of the poor people don't have access to a functioning voter area, I should say. Yeah, because long lines don't exist in middle class and upper class areas. They exist in lower class areas. So they also in Texas they got rid of twenty four hour voting. So you're a my you got two jobs, you're barely making minimum wage. Okay, do you vote or you go to your second job? Again, they move in the goalposts. They are trying to scare you into thinking that Democrats are I guess thinking that you're stupid enough to not use your proper judgment this is the only way the Republicans are going to win they're going to scare you and think you that the Democrats are the enemy no they have no 
policies that will help the working class or lower class. They are people in power and they want to stay that way. And I played this one to show you that he tried to make it into a us versus them where he picked on the African American teacher, uh, I guess she's a professor, saying that the whole state of Texas is racist. No, the law is racist and he knows it. But he's trying to get you a gotcha moment. But it is what it is. They, they really, 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 really get on my nerve. Okay, the next one I'm going to play is someone someone trying to expose oh should I do that one nah. yeah we'll go ahead and do it put it anyway because it's only five minutes long it's uh from that same hearing it's the guy they the Republicans brought up to expose lies about voter suppression here you go there's no need for legislative reforms to the Voting Rights Act, which is one of the most successful laws ever passed by Congress. After the Supreme Court's correct decision in Shelby, the Voting Rights Act, including Section 2, remains a powerful statute that is more than sufficient to protect all Americans. With the latest guidance from the court on the proper application of Section 2 in the Bronovich decision, the Justice Department and private parties have the legal means to stop those increasingly rare instances of voting discrimination when they occur. The claim that there is a wave of voter suppression going on that requires expansion of the Voting Rights Act is simply false. Enhancing the integrity of the election process through reforms such as voter ID requirements and improvements in the accuracy of voter registration lists protects voters and is not voter suppression. A 2019 survey of 10 years of turnout data from all 50 states found that voter ID laws, quote, have no negative effect on registration or turnout overall or for any group defined by race, gender, age, or party affiliation. Voter ID laws are in place in numerous states like Indiana, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Wisconsin, Kansas, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Texas because courts agree they are not discriminatory. There have been steady increases in registration and turnout in states that have implemented such reforms. The Justice Department has seen a steady decrease in enforcement actions due to a decreasing number of violations of federal law. During the entire eight years of the Obama administration, DOJ filed only four cases to enforce Section 2. The Trump administration filed two Section 2 cases, so the frequency of the cases was exactly the same. Thus, there was no upsurge in Section 2 cases after the Shelby County decision. In fact, the Obama administration filed far fewer Section 2 enforcement actions than the Bush administration. That record does not support the claim that there are widespread, unlawful voter suppression actions being taken against minority voters. The Census Bureau's 2020 election survey also clearly demonstrates there's no wave of voter suppression keeping Americans from registering and voting that requires amending and expanding the VRA. Indeed, the Census Bureau reports that the turnout in last year's election was 66.8%, just short of the record turnout of 67.7% of voting age citizens in the 1992 election. This was higher turnout than in President Barack Obama's first election. The census survey shows that there was higher turnout among all races in 2020 when compared 
to the 2016 election. In fact, in an election year in which we were dealing with an unprecedented shutdown of the country due to a pandemic, we had, according to the Census Bureau, the highest voter turnout of the 21st century. The proposed amendments are almost certainly unconstitutional because they do not satisfy what is required by the Supreme Court's decision to justify continuing, much less expanding, the preclearance requirement. Any requirement that states obtain pre-approval of voting changes can only be imposed if Congress can show blatantly discriminatory evasions of federal court decrees, lack of minority office holding, voting tests and devices, voting discrimination on a pervasive scale, and flagrant or rampant voting discrimination. None of those conditions are anywhere to be found in any state in 2021. The new coverage formula is also unfair and violates basic due process principles and will not satisfy constitutional concerns since it will impose coverage even on jurisdictions that have never engaged in any discriminatory conduct because of problems caused by other jurisdictions within a state. The unprecedented practice-based preclearance provision also violates basic due process. It is so broad and covers such a wide spectrum of election procedures that virtually all changes made by state and local governments could be vetoed. The provisions also in the bill intended to overturn the Baranovich decision are ill-advised and interfere with the state's constitutional authority over the administration of election. They attempt to get rid of factors that are very relevant to determining whether a Section 2 violation has occurred. With the availability of Section 3 of the Voting Rights Act, which allows a court to impose pre-clearance requirements on a specific jurisdiction, that is much better than a broad-based coverage. It is not 1965, and there's no longer any justification for giving the federal government the ability to veto the election laws chosen by voters and their elected representatives. Thank you. All right. Okay. This video shows that, again, they're not recognizing the problem. There's a lady sitting behind this man with a mask on. So you know what we're in? We're still in the pandemic. They think that everything is back to normal. We're still in the pandemic. People are still getting COVID. People are still going to be scared to go out to get to vote. So, yes, the laws, the new John Lewis Act needs to be implemented because we are still in a pandemic and again Republicans are scared shitless because they saw minority turnout over 75% they are fucking scared that the people will come for them they'll lose their squishy spots they are scared and again it's not voter ID trust me it's not voter ID issue it's that they want to take the power back because they know that if the minor they are they are coming the minority by 2030 it is a fact uh right on a lighter note this podcast is the common sense podcast our oath is to bring back common sense to this crazy country and we are sponsored by intricate moments uh yes intricate moments you can go to www.intricatemomentsllc.com for your event planning and decorating needs. Crystals and her friends will get you going on your Sweet 16, Quintinera, 
or even hey a work party you want to make them look good that's right we are sponsored by intricate moments and we do really appreciate them and our next story is yes the Republican Party is trotting out an ex NFL player to run for Congress I think he's gonna win the nomination but he's a he is a schizophrenic he has stated that he has multiple personalities and if he wins this nomination and he wins Georgia I think I'm gonna move out of state but let's listen to this I'm not an actor a singer or a politician I'm Herschel Walker most of you know me as a football player but I'm also a father a man of faith and a very good judge of character I've known Donald Trump for 37 years and I don't mean just casual ran into him from time to time I'm talking about a deep personal friendship I watched him as an owner of a professional football team right after he bought the team he set out to learn he learned about the history of the team the players the coaches every detail then he used what he learned to make the team better I watched him in the boardroom he can be in the middle of a big meeting but if one of the kids was on the phone he dropped everything to take the call. He taught me that the family should be your top priority. I watch him treat janitors, security guards, and waiters the same way he would treat a VIP. He made them feel special because he knew they were. He understands that they are the people who make this country run. They clean, they cook, they build, they drive, they deliver. He told me, Herschel, make an effort to get to know people. Remember their names. That stuck with me. One time, I planned to take his kids to Disney World with my family. At the last minute, Donald said he'd like to join us. So they was in a business suit on uh, it's a small world ride. That was something to see. It just shows you what a caring, loving father he is. It hurt my soul to hear the terrible names that people call Donald. The worst one is racist. I take it as a personal insult that people would think I've had a 37-year friendship with the racist. People who think that don't know what they're talking about. Growing up in the Deep South, I've seen racism up close. I know what it is, and it isn't Donald Trump. Just because someone loves and respects the flag, our national anthem, and our country, doesn't mean they don't care about social justice. I care about all those things. So does Donald Trump. He shows how much he cares about social justice in the black community through his actions. And his actions speaks louder than stickers or slogans on a jersey. He keeps right on fighting to improve the lives of black Americans and all Americans. He works night and day. He never stops. He leaves nothing on the field. Some people don't like his style, the way he knocks down obstacles that get in the way of his goals. People on the opposing team didn't like when I ran over them either. But that's how you get the job done. I pray every night that God gives him more time. Give him four more years. He has accomplished so much almost all by himself on a constant attack. But there's still more work to be done. If you love America and want to make it better, Donald Trump is your president. He's my president. And I'm blessed to call him friend. Yeah, that dude is running for Senate. That dude right there is running for Senate. That insane person is running for Senate. If you vote for that man, you do not like America. Absolutely not. My rule is, 
no one in no one in a higher office can't be dumber than me they just can't blatantly say I've had medical issues before I'm a skit I have multiple personalities and you're trying to lead people to apologize I can't do it absolutely not this is a common sense party podcast rate us reviewers give us four stars give us five stars give us three stars at google podcast or spotify we are discussing um voting laws the misinformation that's being spread by the republican party and their unwillingness to pull out policies that will help the poor people uh right now they are targeting uh Republicans in Texas. Okay, they are they are targeting early voting because they know minorities and lower income people they vote early because of work. So check this out. Have rolled out a spate of new election bills taking particular aim at early voting after Democrats enthusiastically embraced the practice last year. There are now more than two dozen GOP-sponsored election bills under consideration. Republicans have proposed asking mail voters to send in photocopies of their driver's license and adding civil penalties to election officials who don't purge voter rolls fast enough. There's broad interest in these bills from the party and a mandate from the state's Republican governor, Greg Abbott, as well. We must pass laws to prevent election officials from jeopardizing the election process. We also must ensure transparency in the polls. Now, many of these bills target early voting, and in particular, early voting in Harris County, where creative officials deployed drive-through early voting to keep things socially distanced, and overnight early voting to make it easier for shift workers to cast the ballot. Now, Republicans have proposed barring counties from allowing voting in tents or garages that would effectively end drive-through voting, and limiting early voting hours to stop those overnight ballots. Some proposals standardize early voting hours across the state. That means that Loving County, Texas, with a population of around 200 people, would have the same early voting hours of operation, seven to seven, as Harris County, home to Houston and 4.7 million people. The proposals would limit options in urban areas where Democrats typically live. I asked lawmakers why this is such a priority now, and here's what the chairman of the Senate State Affairs Committee told me. Uh, So Texas has been working on election integrity for a while, so this was already in process, but then the 2020 election, uh, you know, was so uh, in the national spotlight, and so many people have questions, so many people have concerns, I would say that has raised the profile of the issue. Now, let's be clear, there was no widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election. And that concern Senator Hughes refers to was largely drummed up by former President Donald Trump, whose stolen election claim convinced many voters that voter fraud exists, despite the lack of evidence. Now, Hughes told me he doesn't even know if the presidential election was stolen or not, even though he was elected in 2020 as well. Texas is not alone. It's one of 43 states considering hundreds of restrictive voting bills across the country. And many of the restrictions are really similar. Georgia is also considering standardizing early voting hours across the state, something that would have a similar effect on those urban areas where Democrats vote. Now, it's important to note that voting restrictions like these disproportionately impact voters of color. Voting rights advocates say Texas, which saw record turnout in 2020, 
should be doubling down to make it easier to vote, not more restrictions that would roll back some of these innovations that helped turn voters out. Hey, Ed. Yep. Again, that's an example of them going after the urban areas. Urban, meaning black, Latino, Asian, non-white or non-Republican, lower, lower, lower class. This is an economical issue because you don't see long lines in area, affluent areas. Might be white, rich, whatever. There are black people sprinkled in there too, but they don't. They don't want to lose their power either. So those laws. Is not a voter ID thing. That's people don't understand. It's not voter ID. It's not the voter ID. It's voter access. Uh, right. Moving forward. Um, this was last year. Delta. Uh, this was a big thing in Delta. So check this out. Uh, both in the New York Times and on Squawk Box, basically calling for corporate America to fight the repressive uh, voter laws that have been uh, passed in Georgia and are being considered in other states. These new laws that make it more restrictive in terms of uh, the ability for people to vote. Uh, Delta CEO Ed Bastian out with an employee memo, this is it, just released a, a few minutes ago, essentially saying that Delta uh, agrees that this law is too restrictive. A couple of quotes from the memo from Ed Bastian. He, won, he writes, however, I need to make it crystal clear that the final bill is unacceptable and does not match Delta's values. He goes on to write, it is evident that the bill includes provisions that will make it harder for many underrepresented voters, particularly black voters, to exercise their constitutional right to elect their representatives. That yeah. Corporations in Georgia, they push back, but they still pass the law. So we got to do our diligence to get everybody out to vote. Yes, give everybody out to vote, get them IDs, educate them on what they need to do. We got to make sure that we keep this train rolling. But uh, let's go. This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars on Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, right now, we're going to shift a little bit to COVID. Uh, please get your COVID vaccination because we're still in the pandemic and now it's flu season. So you might not want to take the flu shot, which I'm not taking a flu shot, but I have taken the COVID vaccine because I want to work and I want to go places. So we're going to hear from some people about the vaccine. I did not want anything to do with the vaccine. I was pretty much sure that, you know, it hadn't been tested long enough. People also often worry that the vaccine itself has COVID in it or might make them sick. I was concerned that there would not be full transparency on the safety and risks of the vaccine. After doing a little bit of research and also having family members come up ill from COVID, it changed my mind completely. Uh, within the first few, maybe two months of COVID, I had four family members actually pass away from COVID. I really want to prevent that for my family and for the people that I love. And so when the opportunity came for me to get the vaccine, I jumped on it. I put it all together and 
knew that I had to do my part in protecting not only myself, but those around me. I know a lot of people have concerns because this vaccine was developed very quickly compared to other vaccines, but it's important to know that the technology in this vaccine actually had been being researched for many, many years. They put billions, $10 billion to drug companies so that they could try all the steps at once. Still going through the sequence of um, safety and efficacy, then making sure that it would broadly affect everyone the same, whether you're old or young, people of color, multiple medical problems. So it included people from every single race and ethnicity and from different age groups. And so it's been proven safe in all those communities. We are in a better place in the world to where we can start trusting the medical community again. A lot of the people who are working in healthcare, who worked on the vaccine, are people of color, and they're doing this to help everyone out. This is a vaccine for everyone. Most of the side effects are going to be minor and most of them are going to go away in one to two days and that's things like sore arms or fatigue or maybe a little bit of a rash at the site. Fever, headache, body aches, those also usually go away within a couple of days at most. While there is a chance of you having some side effects, they're much less than what the symptoms of COVID-19 would cause you. The way this vaccine works is that the messenger RNA is used to make a protein that our body will then recognize if we are infected with COVID-19. Actually then uh, that messenger RNA is then actually destroyed in our body. So it does not in any way affect our DNA, even though those words are really close. The other thing to be very reassured about is that the technology of the vaccines that we have available right now does not contain the coronavirus. And so people should be very reassured that there's no risk of getting the infection with the COVID virus because they're getting the vaccine. This is a big decision and I don't want to minimize that. And if you're on the fence, it's okay. Um, seek out the information for yourself, make an informed decision um, on what you want to do and make it a personal decision. Sometimes a lot of people are going to the internet and Facebook as their medical advice and I strongly, strongly tell people not to do that. Talk to an actual licensed you know, medical provider, someone who actually has your own interests at heart. I didn't want to get COVID. And when I knew that there was a safe and very effective vaccine, then I wanted to do that. My family is very precious to me, and so I'm going to do whatever I can to protect them. And by getting this vaccine, I feel that I'm a step closer to doing that. Many studies have shown that all the COVID-19 vaccines that we have available in the U.S. are effective. They're effective against preventing hospitalizations and death and the worst forms of the illness from COVID-19. Emotionally, I felt relief after I got my vaccine. The catharsis of, of receiving that first dose and then the second dose was really powerful for me. I felt a, a, a really heavy weight lifted off of my, my soul. This is part of the, the bigger solution, uh, part of taking care of this pandemic for the whole community and part of us getting back together as a family, as a community. 
So please uh, say yes to the vaccine. I truly believe it's effective, it's safe, and it's something you can trust. I think the main reasons I decided to get the vaccine were to protect myself, to protect my newborn son, to protect my family and my loved ones, and really to protect my community as a whole. When we look in the black and brown communities, we see the percentage of cases is so much higher and we are dying more. And I truly believe that vaccination is one of the most important tools for us to end this pandemic and the suffering that it's causing in our communities. Yes, please, 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 please get the shot. Let's get back to normal. We're still in a pandemic right now. Yes, please don't be like those non-vaxxers who are regretting it when they get to the hospital. This respiratory disease is taking them out, even though the the death numbers are, I think, steady and the, the infection is dropping, but we still got to be vigilant because diligent we're still in a pandemic. Yes, we are still in a pandemic, folks. Uh, yes, this is a Common Sense Party podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Otley. This podcast is sponsored by Intricate Moments. Yes, event planning and parties such as sweet 16s kitchenettas office parties and they might even do a wedding or two you might know you might want to check it out at www.intricatemomentsllc.com check and see if they can make your party more happy uh our next story is the immigrants that are at the border and the border is running out of options. Check this out. Mostly Haitian migrants at a camp near the U.S.-Mexico border are now being released into the United States. Manny Bajorquez reports from Del Rio, Texas. Good morning, Manny. Well, good morning. That AP report claims that many have been released with notices to appear at an immigration office within 60 days. And we have seen for ourselves at one location here in Del Rio, Texas, where dozens were allowed to enter. As we await word from Homeland Security, this will likely just add to criticism of the Biden administration's response. President Biden says his administration is handling the influx of mostly Haitian migrants at the southern border. The Biden administration is a man-made disaster of inhumanity of epic proportions. Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott visited the camp Tuesday, expressing doubts that all the migrants would be processed soon. The only thing that they've shown is an incapability of dealing with this crisis candidly in a way where they pretend it doesn't even exist. And we're here to tell you, it exists. Border Patrol agents that were seen on horseback grabbing and lashing out at migrants are now on administrative duties pending a Homeland Security investigation. The administration has sent additional Border Patrol agents to the area as more than 8,000 migrants remain in the camp. With other sections of the river now off limits, this shallower stretch of the Rio Grande has become a lifeline. Many come over here to the Mexican side to buy food to bring back to their families at the bridge camp. Gregorio Jean-Pierre arrived with his wife and child. He crossed into Mexico looking for food for them. 
you heard about the deportation? And what do you think? Why, why do that? Do you have anything in Haiti? As we visited the Mexican side, we also noticed that authorities there are cracking down and limiting the migrants' movements, leaving many of them feeling stuck, and of course, their biggest fear remains deportation. Laura? Manny, some incredible images, especially of those uh, officials on horseback uh, that have really made the rounds on social media now, and there's a lot of criticism, not only to the Biden administration uh, for the handling of this, but also toward Texas and Texas Governor Greg Abbott. We heard from him in your piece. Um, but tell us more about the handling of these migrants and how lawmakers are sort of on the defense about this. Yeah, there's really no easy fix here, and this is a difficult situation uh, in many ways uh, because you do have people uh, that are coming to the United States, many of them in need of food, of water, of medical attention, but you do have, at, on, this, on the other side of that, of course, those agents who are tasked with protecting the border and not allowing people to enter unlawfully. So that's the situation here. The Department of Homeland Security has said that it will investigate uh, what they have called uh, disturbing images of those agents on horseback, intimidating those migrants, saying that that is not the way to handle the situation. But on the other side of that, you do have people like the governor of Texas uh, and many Republicans who say, what do you expect them to do when you have people amassing at the border in this way, trying to get in? And the Department of Homeland Security told CBS News that officials are deporting uh, hundreds of Haitians, 500, on four flights yesterday. That number nearly doubled the amount of Haitians sent back to their home country since Sunday. Are officials hoping to continue to ramp up expulsions? That is what they have said, that they will continue to uh, con increase the number of flights uh, that are leaving from the United States to Haiti. Those numbers, though, right now, still a small fraction of the total uh, number of people that amassed here. At 1.15,000, fewer than 8,000 now remain. Uh, so there are many who will question how many are actually being deported versus how many are, according to the AP's report, just being allowed to stay here uh, with a notice to appear at an immigration office within 60 days. And there are some concerning reports about the deportations. There are reports out of Haiti saying that some Haitians who are landing in Port-au-Prince assaulted U.S. pilots and ICE agents. What has DHS said about this and what awaits these migrants upon their return home? Well, many have told us that they feel like they have nothing when they return home. That's why they fear that so much. And you have that island nation right now dealing with dual crises, the assassination of their president and, of course, the latest earthquake, which wreaked havoc on that country. Uh, the incidents that happen at Port-au-Prince, uh, they're not releasing too much information right now, the Department of Homeland Security, other than to say that they were incidents, uh, that there, there were uh men who uh, on the tarmac in Port-au-Prince apparently uh, created some form of unrest as they were being uh, left there, uh, but they did say that officers were able to quell that unrest, but it just paints a picture of how desperately people are trying not to be deported back to Haiti. Absolutely. If you ain't beige, light, 
if you're dark skin, <clears throat> they don't want you in, man. That's just horrible. Horrible to to what <clears throat> America did to Haiti. They 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 sold them a bad bill of goods, man. They were supposed to rebuild the country, but guess what? They didn't. And now America's gonna suffer for it. They are. You gotta keep your word. You can put temporary put them in the Dakotas. This country is big enough. Put them in the Dakotas. But don't whip them like they the animals or anything like that. That's just heartless. Alright, this is a common sense podcast. Let's get some common sense back. Rate us, review us. Give us five stars. Give us four stars. Give us three stars at Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your wherever you get your uh, podcast. Uh, right now, we're going to go to the Arizona Audit. Yes, the failed Arizona Audit where they spent $6 million of taxpayer dollars to find out what is legitimate. Again, they're just trying to take your money. They're just trying to find a way to take your money. So check this out. I'm here. It's pretty much confirmed that the Arizona audit is going to tell us exactly what we expected about the 2020 presidential election results. Um, But the results didn't really matter, right? That wasn't the point of this exercise, was it? Yeah, and the actual hand count, uh, a lot of election experts say, really can't be trusted because of the processes they use to do it. And they note that, you know, humans are not really that good at counting ballots. It's why we use machines in a lot of our elections. but I, I think it's important to note that the, the draft, the draft is, we have not actually, I have not seen it. We don't know if it's going to come out in exactly the same way. But we do know that there are so many questions about the processes that they used. Uh, and we, they make a lot of allegations in this report that we've, we've, we're talking to experts about as we speak. Uh, they essentially say that dead people voted, that a lot of people from out of state voted. So while they do come to the same conclusion as the official county, they also raise more questions than they answer, which is problematic in that people who want to see those conspiracies are going to see those conspiracies. And we're already seeing that play out with Trump allies online who say, look, there's all these illegal votes. Uh, It's not going to put this to rest. Not that we thought it would. Yep. They stole $6 million. Six million dollars of taxpayer money to tell you what? Joe Biden's your president. They're gonna try that in um in uh what is it called? Texas. Yeah, they're gonna try that in Texas too. So that's what we're talking about right now. It's a failed failed coup attempt. Alright. We're gonna go to a final story, but before we do that we are the Common Sense Party Podcast. We are sponsored by Intricate Moments, event planning, party planning. Uh, you can go to them at www.intricatemoments.llc.com. Check it out for events or parties. Your Sweet Sixteens, Quinceaneras, uh, Bar Mitzvahs, whatever your party need is. And for our final story, we're going to go to John Oliver, he did a good thing about voting rights. Check this out. 
Blackburn's voting. It is the subject of countless election PSAs, which are always basically the same. Celebrities essentially begging you to vote. But in 1988, there was a strikingly different one. All I'm going to say about this is there is a surprise at the end and also at the beginning. <laughs> Constitution of the United States suggested a very simple way to keep fools like these out of our government. A reminder from members only. Holy shit! What are you doing, members only? That is a bold move, putting your name so close to Hitler. Although, you know what? I will say, it does actually fit pretty well, considering that members only would have been a perfect slogan for the Nazis. I want to talk to you about voting because, as you undoubtedly know, the latest attack on voting rights in America is well underway. A new report from the Brennan Center shows that between January and July, these 18 states passed 30 laws that restrict voter access. They include crackdowns on mail-in and early voting, harsher voter ID requirements, and voter roll purges. Yeah, it's true. All those states passed laws that make it harder for people to vote. And if anyone is surprised to see New Hampshire up there, let me just remind you, it's a state that's 88% white with a Republican governor and no adult seatbelt law. Sure, they present themselves as charming, but deep down they are basically just Florida with foliage. That is it. And some of the biggest efforts to undermine voting rights have been concentrated in the closest states in last year's election, especially these three, where Biden's combined margin of victory was less than 43,000 votes. If they had gone the other way, Trump would still be president right now, meaning COVID would be even worse, we'd be at war with, I don't know, let's say Luxembourg, and we'd all be living under Attorney General My Pillow Guy. I know things are bleak right now, but depressingly, it's also important to remember this is technically the better timeline. And I know that those pushing these bills claim that critics of them are completely distorting what is inside them and that any objections could simply be cleared up with a basic step. I would encourage people to actually read the bill, find out what the facts are. It's time to take a chill pill, folks. It's time to read the bill. Read the bill. There is no voter suppression. Read the bill and show me one person who's eligible to vote that will not be able to vote. You can't find it. It's a lie. It's just not there. All right, well, if that is your criteria, then you obviously win. Of course, no one is going to find a bill that literally says this specific person should not be allowed to vote, even though we all know there is someone who shouldn't be allowed to vote, and it's this guy. His name is Brandon Caruso. His favourite pizza topping is no sauce. His favourite season of The Wire is I haven't watched it yet. And his list of celebrities he'd have sex with outside of marriage is exclusively five times the wheel from Wheel of Fortune. Not Vanna, not Pat, the wheel. Five times. One, two, three, four, five, Brandon. But the thing is, if you do actually read these bills, you quickly find they absolutely make it harder to vote, and particularly for certain people. So tonight, we thought we would take a look at the attack on voting rights and how best to fight it. And let's start with what is in these bills, because it's a lot. For instance, in Texas, where, remember, that guy claimed you can't find a single instance of voter suppression, 
One thing their bill does is roll back a lot of the innovative measures put in place during the pandemic that made voting more accessible. Among other things, it gets rid of 24-hour and drive-through voting, both methods that Harris County implemented last year. And as the county clerk who oversaw that election points out, when you look at the precincts where those methods were most popular, it's clear that the harm is pretty targeted. Why are we taking 24-hour voting away? Because 56% of voters in November who used 24-hour voting were people of color, and they know that. Why are we taking drive-through voting away? Because 53% of those voters in 2020 were people of color. Yeah, it's pretty obvious who is being targeted there. They may as well say, you can't arrive at a polling place exhibiting a face in the Fenty 300s or higher. Sure, you're not saying people of color, but we all know what the fuck is happening. And it's not just drive-through voting. Texas and all these other states have added new barriers to voting by mail. Coincidentally, just a year after elections in which the percentage of black people who voted by mail surged past white voters. Meanwhile, all these states have put harsher voter ID requirements in place, even though federal court cases found black and Latino voters in states with harsh laws disproportionately lacked access to the types of voter IDs required to vote. So already, when you do read these bills, you quickly find some shit in plain view. It's like a second grader playing hide and seek. You're bigger than the coffee table, but I can see your feet, hands, full face, and you're giggling very loudly. You didn't do a good job at hiding. And some of those pushing these bills, like this state representative from Georgia, even argue that if a law does make it harder to vote, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I do believe that that voting in this country is a privilege. And, it's a right. And it's a right as well, but it ought to mean enough where you could put forth a little bit of effort in trying to cast your ballot. Okay, except something can't be a right and a privilege that you need to work for because those are two completely different things. For instance, it is a right for Brandon Caruso to imagine what hot, tawdry sex with the Wheel of Fortune would be like. To imagine climbing on top of it and taking her all in. To think about the crowd watching him. Yeah, that's right, the studio audience is there. And they're rooting for him because he did it. Brandon finally did it. He's finally fucking the wheel. Imagining how good that'd feel is Brandon's right but actually getting to grab those pegs and give the wheel a spin, that is a privilege that should take years of effort. And look, none of this is anything new. Republicans have been pushing restrictive voting laws for years. Back in 2013, North Carolina crafted a law that made it so the only acceptable forms of voter ID were the ones disproportionately used by white people in a bill a federal appeals court later said targeted African-American voters with almost surgical precision which has to be the second worst context in which to hear that phrase, topped only by surgery. Look, ma'am, your husband's surgery was... We got in there with almost surgical precision. My team's not 100% yet, but we were really close on this one. And frequently, these laws have been helped along by well-funded groups like the Heritage Foundation, whose co-founder, Paul Weyrich, famously admitted, I don't want everybody to vote. And whose former president, Jim DeMint, once approvingly said, in the states where they do have voter ID laws, you've actually seen elections begin to change towards more conservative candidates, pretty much giving the whole game away there. And Heritage is very much still at it. Just this year, the executive director of their sister organisation, Heritage Action, actually bragged about their role in pushing this year's new bills. We're working with these state legislators to make sure they have 
all of the information they need to draft the bills. In some cases, we actually draft them for them. Iowa's huge victory. Governor Reynolds signed the bill on March 8th. Little fanfare. Honestly, nobody even noticed. My team looked at each other and were like, it can't be that easy. <laughs> like, it can't be that easy. Well, hold on there, TJ Maxx, Ivanka Trump, because anyone saying it can't be that easy to do anything other than sneaking their own snacks into the movies absolutely must be stopped. The point here is, this has been a concerted, organised effort over many years, but the reason it now has a much higher chance of working has to do with a pair of Supreme Court decisions that gutted the landmark 1965 Voting Rights Act, which prohibited racial discrimination in voting. The first decision, Shelby County versus Holder, basically released these areas, which had a prior history of discriminatory voting laws, from having to run any new ones past the federal government first before they took effect. And the second one, Brenovich versus DNC, essentially found that even if a voting restriction has a discriminatory impact, that in itself doesn't necessarily violate the Voting Rights Act. Those two decisions basically made it easier for some states to pass discriminatory laws, while at the same time making it much harder for anyone to challenge them. And given that, one of the dwindling ways that you can still successfully sue under the VRA is by demonstrating a bill is racially motivated, it is hardly surprising that those passing these new laws have been quick to shut down any discussion of their racial impact. In fact, in Texas, in the midst of debating their new bill, there was this incredible moment. Members, this is a reminder to everyone to be civil and respectful of our colleagues as we debate SB1. The chair would appreciate members not using the word racism this afternoon. Look, look. If the word you don't want people to use is racism, I hate to break it to you, but you're doing a racism. Someone might have told you that sooner, but in fairness, you told them they're not allowed. A constant theme in debates over these bills is black elected officials pointing out their impact and their white colleagues telling them to be quiet. In Arizona, back in April, they were debating a bill that makes it hard for many voters to receive an early ballot in the mail. But watch what happened when one lawmaker started pointing out the disproportionate impacts that that would have. The effect of this bill will make it harder for independent voters, seniors, Native Americans, black, brown, and low-income people to vote. To each of you, Point of order. in 2022, Point of order. I have 12 words for you. Point of order. Show up. Point of order. Show out. Point of order. Okay, you should never shout someone down when they only want to say 12 words. Unless, of course, those 12 words are, his testicles became swollen, his friend was weeks away from getting married. And look, and look, I know, that obviously does not look good. But wait until you see that man's colleague read from the rule book to explain his point of order. In accordance with Rule 19A, no member shall be permitted to indulge in personalities, use language personally offensive, arraign motives of members, charge deliberate misrepresentation or use language tending to hold a member of the House or Senate up to contempt. And I feel personally that motives were arraigned of members, including myself, with regards to colored people, black people, whatever people that individual wants to single out in their ability to vote. And I, I don't think it's correct. And I think he should be sat down and he shouldn't be allowed to speak. Oh, fuck all the way off. 
I do not care what the situation is. The very second someone starts reading you the rules from a weird tiny book, they can just fuck right off into the sun. Also, for the record, if you say the words coloured people and it is not immediately preceded by National Association for the Advancement of, you are officially in time out. The Republicans cannot just play that they are not being racist in pushing these bills. They do still need a reason for them. So what exactly is that reason? Well, for years they claimed that there was an epidemic of voter fraud, despite the fact actual instances of that are incredibly rare. So they have now shifted their justification from something measurable, what people are doing, to something much less tangible, what they are feeling. Just listen to the Lieutenant Governor of Texas making that exact pitch. I've been asked, why is this bill needed? Very simple. The bill is needed because Americans no longer trust the system. In a country where voters do not trust the system is a country in peril. Yeah, okay, but you still need a reason to legislate against something. You can't just do it based on a feeling. If that were the case, I would propose a bill to outlaw Tilda Swinton. Why? Too creepy. She looks like a ghost who knows exactly how and when you will die, but won't tell you because it's more fun for her that way. But look, I will say, despite the fact state and local officials found the last election to be the most secure in American history, the truth is, many Republicans don't trust the system. But the reason for that might be that people like Dan Patrick spent all of last year calling voting by mail a scam by Democrats to steal the election and saying shit like this. Look, when you have an opportunity to steal a vote, the Democrats will take advantage of it. You can swing the balance easily, Ed. I could give you 10 scenarios, but I won't because I don't want to give anyone ideas how you could easily steal thousands of votes. Oh, come on, Dan. I can give you 10 scenarios, but I won't is just such an obvious lie. It's right up there with, I have a girlfriend, she goes to a different school, you wouldn't know her, or I'm fine. Yeah, that's from Lieutenant Governor from Texas. Yes, people, people in power will not relinquish power willingly, so we got to take it from them. Alright, and again, they're moving the goalposts. It's not voter ID, it's voter access. This is a Common Sense Party Podcast. Read us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars at Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was brought to you by Intricate Moments. Yes, go to Intricate Moments to for your party planning needs for your Sweet 16 graduation, quinceanera, uh, baby shower, uh, what's it called, when, uh, gender reveal, those kinds. So, Crystal and her crew will give you a good deal. And now, today, this is the Common Sense Party Podcast. We have talked about uh, voting and why the Democrats refuse to come to a gunfight with a gun, but they come with a knife. So, I don't know. We will check what if they got the balls to step up in this fight. This is Dwayne Ali. Let's bring common sense party, common sense back to America, and we'll check you next week.